Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. We Ain't Got No History's official Chelsea podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and it's the start of the season. It's right upon us. Tomorrow is the UEFA Super Cup. We're all buzzing. We are the champions of Europe. Life could not be better. There's also a certain lost prodigal son that is returning, and all that will be spoken about today. And I am looking forward to it. Unfortunately, my dear fellow co-host, Rem, cannot join us today. He is uh, traveling. He says hello, and we miss him, and we'll be seeing him next episode again. But, be that as it may, we have two fabulous guests today, two returning guests. We like to speak with the our own kin and... Well, kid, you know, Chelsea fans, we're all kin. Ollie and Felipe, our our own. We ain't going to history right, of course, Felipe Miranda. And Ollie Glanville, I think anyone who has been on Chelsea Twitter will know Ollie. He has been on the podcast. Glad to have you back, gents. Pleasure. <laughs> also my pleasure. Very good to be back and having the opportunity to speak about my love for Lukaku to uh, hundreds and of thousands, if not thousands of people uh, beyond the blog as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is the big news, isn't it? Well, whoever would still be coming in at Chelsea Football Club this summer, Romelu Lukaku returning, that is quite the story. And we will be raving about him. I mean, as of now, it does seem as if at least... The first part of his medical has been done yesterday. He's flown to London, was in Monaco for some paperwork. Now, the big question is, is the squad complete for this new season? Will Lukaku be this missing piece of the puzzle, which will solve our really, really missing clinicalness in front of goal last season? That that was like our Achilles heel, without a doubt. And... With someone like Lukaku coming in, has that plugged the hole? Oli, let's start with you. What what will your first thoughts be? Medical done, squad complete? Hmm. I mean, uh, the first time around, uh, anyone who has talked to me or, or you know chatted with me on Twitter will know I was all in on Romelu Lukaku. I always knew he would go to the top because that's the way his uh, mind is wired and the talent he's already, he's always had. Um, he's had a few obstacles on the way, but I always knew that he would get to this, this place. So it, it feels like a nice completion of a circle for him to come back first and foremost. But I think, yeah, we, we just missed a reliable finisher last season. It was such a clear missing part. Um, you know, Tammy showed showed hints that he could be a more efficient finisher than other options we had. Uh, Kai, especially at the end, um, and he's picked up where he's left off against Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I think we just need that reliable source of goals, and that's really what held us back in terms of a push uh, domestically, even if not in Europe. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, everyone would, I think, agree that striker was our main position of concern and I'm glad that the club sees it the same uh, as us. Fell, 
what does Lukaku bring to the table? What what can we really be looking forward to with Romelu Lukaku? Obviously has a huge amount of good traits when ones that will really complement Tuchel's system, one would, mar- one would argue. Um, but what are his standout traits which might actually make Chelsea title candidates next season? I know oh, you love him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I before uh, I got here, uh, we were negotiating and I mentioned that I, I needed at least five minutes to rave about Lukaku, but I don't think I really did so many minutes. Uh, but still, uh, I mean, I did get to watch him uh, at Inter uh, for uh, uh, like uh, a dozen of games uh, over the last two years. Not just a dozen, but more than that, because I was, I mean, I'm also a big Antonio Conte fan. And uh, if it wasn't for the Burned Bridges, I would have brought the two of them uh, to Chelsea this season. Even if, if Tuku have had a very nice ending to the season still I, I do also love Antonio Conte uh, to to the end of days uh, but uh, what we saw with Lukaku during these two years at Inter working with Conte was really the development uh, the the kind of I wouldn't say final development because he's the kind of player who's always trying to work on his game and trying to improve himself especially on the mental aspect which is, if you read what uh, Mourinho has to say about him, it's like the kind of confidence that he, he didn't have and now he has uh, on himself. Uh, and But also this also comes about on the pitch uh, in terms of how uh, he plays, uh, because he's become a sort of a... Uh, using the term complete striker is too much, for in my view, but it is very close to it because he's a guy who will be able to provide you assists. He will provide you, I mean, not too much of a defensive work, but he will try his best to. Uh, he will be uh, uh, the, the kind of guy who would do, do this, this uh, smart runs to take off defenders for other strikers to to go and try to try uh, to score. He will also be a very good scorer if, he, if he's... He's predominantly uh, left-footed, but he will also score with his right foot and also with his head. Uh, he's become, uh, I mean, he's become better also with the aspects of the, the technical aspects of his game, uh, which we uh, also saw most times as the weaknesses. And uh, I mean, he's still a physical beast. He's still oh, one yeah. of the strongest uh, strikers out there, and also one of the, fa- the fastest. And I'm like, I'm always surprised by how he can be so fast and so strong uh, at the same time. You know, given his build, uh, you would expect him to be one of the uh, or the other, and he's not. Uh, at least for Inter, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I was watching. I think it was a game against Cagliari, or, or it was another. It was one of these mid-table uh, Serie A uh, uh, teams. And uh, he was there was a run that he did, which I don't recall if he ended ended up scoring. But it was like he crossed the pitch in like uh, eight seconds. You know, he went from one side to the other in eight seconds. And it's like, and you can't stop him. You you can try, you know, uh, uh, push his. You can try to to pull his shirt and 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 try to to stop him on his tracks, and he won't stop. You know, he he's got this. Is this drive that he already had, but I think uh, the mental aspect of his game improved so much in the county that um, I mean the 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 thing about Lukaku I think uh, uh, when he was playing with Manchester United first of all he was fatter and he was I mean he was fatter so he was 
stronger, so to speak. And I think uh, the the coaches that try to to make him this sort of target man that most people envision him, uh, but that's not the kind of player that he was. He was this kind of you know hybrid where you have him as a very strong and very uh, very fast uh, striker, which will drop uh, which will drop to the midfield to try to create stuff. And I mean, when you watch him at at, at Everton. You'd see him like playing as a winger sometimes. You know, he would go and drift to 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 the left and to the right and try to cut inside or do crosses to to the bots to assist uh, to assist players. He wasn't very good at that at the time, but he was even he was still a, a, a very good outlet for this at Everton. And he wasn't doing this kind of stuff in Manchester United because I I think they tried to make him a centre forward, a pure centre forward, and this didn't work. Uh, whereas with Inter. Uh, playing also, I have to credit uh, the, the 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 partner, his partner, which was Lautaro Martinez. Uh, it, I mean, I really hope they thought, don't 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 bring Lautaro Martinez to 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 England because that guy is also a very good player. But uh, if Tuchel uh, manages to like make a partnership, a, a sort of partnership that Lukaku had. Uh, with Martinez, uh, we're using either Werner or Havertz. I think we will have like the one of. I mean, it will be very difficult to beat PSG now, but uh, we will have at least, I mean, at least one of the best, if not the best, Premier League attacking units. Uh, you know, because I mean, uh, uh, there there was another thing that I I had to highlight how how well he plays uh, with another guy on on. on on his side, and it's not like he needs to be the main man. He doesn't need to be the number nine. He he can play as the as the number eleven, so to speak. You know, he can be a second striker as well. And uh, mm. I mean, yes, he. I I I am I, I'm, I'm uh, how can I say? I it's been a while since I've been so invested in a in a in a signing for Chelsea. To be honest, mm-hmm. because I really like the guy, and I really I really think he will su- succeed. But still, I, mean, I am a bit nervous because when you have this kind of expectation, uh, most often you, you end up being, you know, you end up in, in, in uh, not be- being uh, fulfilled these this expectations. But I do think he will be able to get at least very close to what we expect from such a huge signing as he yeah. became. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a Chelsea fan or as Chelsea fans, we know our number nine curse. Um it's been playing us for quite a while, <laughs> yeah. to, to put it mildly. Uh, obviously, we did have Didier Drog, but obviously we had Diego Costa, who also he was he was our best striker uh, since Drogba. But what what I'm really excited about uh, when we come to Lukaku is his attitude. You know, the guy doesn't complain. The guy is a team player. He's and oh, this sounds so. Uh, you know, generic, but he's a Chelsea lad. He, that, I watched, I, I think everyone rewatched that interview from 10 years ago, or even longer, where yeah. he was at Stamford Bridge for the first time. And just watching that, I, I don't know how anyone couldn't be happy after seeing that, that Romelu Lukaku is returning to Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. He will be phenomenal. He will be brilliant. He will guarantee us goals i hope he hits this ground running and obviously has to find in the team but because we have such great team chemistry at this moment someone with such a brilliant attitude 
were only fit in. We've already heard in some interviews that um, they obviously didn't say, yeah, he's joining. They didn't confirm that. But if he were to join, uh, that he'd be a brilliant addition. You know, he, he would complete the first squad. And to lead over to the next point, um, Timo Werner, for example, gave an interview where he specifically noted that it would be good to have Rom at the club and if he were to come in, uh, as he already played very well at Leipzig with a with a partner up front, as you already mentioned, Phil. And so, Oli, that brings me to the question, could we see a change of system? Could that be on the cards for Thomas Tuchel? We know that at PSG, for example, he also played other systems. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, as uh, Felipe said, um, you know, you're talking about a player who left as a boy and uh, came back is coming back as a man now. Um, mm-hmm. it's, was, it's not just in the last year that he's developed with <laughs> Antonio Conte's obsessive uh, back to goal <laughs> drills, where he used to get um, Ranocchio or whoever the the big centre back was at Inter at the time to just um, basically muscle into him and challenge his first touch back to goal every time. And if he lost the ball, then they'd restart the drill. Yeah. Um, but it's also, you know, you're talking about a guy who's learned a lot of things about his own weaknesses, about his strengths, about um, where he can develop and, and how he has developed. Um, so you are talking, I know that there is a danger about talking about completeness, but he is a far more complete player than the player that left United even. Uh, but especially the left that left us, um, and yeah, you know, a lot of talk about Laturo and um, and all the positives he brought to Inter. But a lot of the goals he scored were made entirely by Lukaku, yeah. um, especially on the counter attack, and obviously Hakimi down the right as well. Um, and <laughs> who would be an Inter fan right now? Um, oh God, yeah, losing their entire squad, their best manager probably in the last. Uh, well, certainly this millennium. And uh, yeah. Ooh, wouldn't you say Jose Mourinho would be better? <laughs> Won them the Champions League and the league. Yeah, I think I think Jose had a better squad potentially than Conte inherited. Um, and okay, also, it was a it's a much more challenging league than Jose had at the time. But um, yeah, maybe a controversial one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think Lukaku definitely is uh, um, firing on all cylinders in terms of playing in a two. I don't think he's limited to that, though. I think that was just something that Conte envisioned when he first brought him in. Um, But I do think that Tuchel's already indicated through his team selections that he's willing to do that. I mean, we played played two up front with one behind a lot this preseason. with Ziyech mainly in the hole, uh, as Mason's been coming back uh, late from the Euros, but that's that's clearly an option. Um, and obviously, yeah, Timo played best with Poulsen at Leipzig, um, and that's that's a place that he really excels. Um, I'm not sure if if Timo will be first choice this season. Mm-hmm. I think he'll definitely be a, a positive rotation option, but I think Kai and Rom would be the front two I'd go to if you're playing a two. Um, I just think the height there is is much more of an issue. But I also think the bigger 
bigger dynamic really is that we've not had a forward who can bully a defense since Diego really um and you in in Romilly you're talking about someone who defenders really fear uh and you know you can you can fear the the pace and the movement of uh Timo or Kai but Romilly is a completely different uh aspect really I mean he's just another level in terms of the presence he brings um and you know, just just the fact that they're going to be in a physical battle the entire time. Mm. Um, he, I think also his his intelligence on the ball is underrated as well. He's he's much more of a playmaker than people give him credit for. Uh, Felipe alluded to the fact that he he he's played on the wing at, at, at Everton, and sometimes he drifted out, out wide for United. And obviously, United made made him pile on the pounds, which is the, one of the most stupid ideas in probably modern football history. Uh, getting someone who's already big to become bigger was like <laughs> one, one of the most brain dead ideas. I, I can't remember who it was, Von Gaal or whoever, but um, it was probably one of the most brain dead ideas of a major signing I've ever seen. Um, but the the immediate thing Conte did was slim him down back to his comfortable size, and Romilly is just now, you know, back to his peak speed, his peak strength, and we're we're signing a player that is coming into the peak of his striking prowess and you know with modern medicine and you know the sports science we have now you're talking about at least four years at the very very top level of the game yeah uh, i mean i think correct me if i'm wrong um talk is of a five-year contract or yeah. a four-year one with an option with for an a edition. fifth something like that uh which you know if if obviously most well most a lot of people including myself, wanted uh, Erling Haaland for numerous reasons. Um, but if we're talking about the complete package right now, then I can only agree with you two. It's, I don't think there is a more complete number nine in world football right now uh, than Romelu Lukaku. Obviously, uh, there are strikers, only a few, that are better than Lukaku in certain aspects. But if you're looking at the complete package then Romelu Lukaku is probably well the man in the world oh love the seagulls Ollie. <laughs> yeah I'm a, much like a certain Albanian uh, youth forward I'm currently on loan at the south coast on holiday so uh, oh lovely yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no nah, so what one has to definitely say here is the flexibility at Chelsea Football Club next year is going to be crazy. Uh, that squad depth in both quality and quantity, for me, is one worthy of champions. If we can't rival Manchester City now, then when can we ever? You know, this Obviously, we won against them three times at the back end of the season. We won against them in the Champions League final. That's all that counts. But doing it over a complete season... Difficult and squad depth is absolutely necessary to do that. So that's definitely something to look forward about. Uh, forward to, sorry. Um, yes. So you know, talking about the upcoming season, <sighs> Phil, what are your realistic expectations for Chelsea next year? I mean, we every year, also obviously, we ain't got the history. We 
we look at season expectations, previews, and what one would expect of the club. Uh, some might be really uh, <laughs> looking forward to these kind of articles or chats like Chelsea fans, others less so if you're an Arsenal fan, or Oli, as you said, Inter fans. My God, that must be very triste. But um, for us Chelsea fans, I mean, we want to stay realistic. We want to, you know, not get ahead of ourselves. But, fell, we're going to win the league, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, if you ask me, <laughs> honestly, I mean, uh, uh, we were we were discussing this uh, before, but yeah, I I, I am on, on board with this idea. I do think, uh, with, I mean, it's not just it's because uh, we are not just into you know into the Lukaku train, but also the the Kunde. Uh, the Ju, 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 uh, Julius Kunde uh, uh, train as well, and I think uh, that 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 those were the two things that we needed the most: uh, uh, a striker to to address our problems, you know, with scoring, because this was the biggest problem we have we had uh, last season. Uh, but also more defensive depth, because unfortunately Thiago Silva is not getting any younger, and uh, we need to think about this as well. And um, I do think we have a very good chance of, I mean, uh, it would be very difficult to beat Pep because he already has a very good system as to how to win the league. Uh, but one of the main issues he had were these games against mid to, to mid-table sides and also even the, the lower, the lower uh, table sides uh, where we couldn't beat them because we weren't as clinical as we needed to be. Uh, so we created a lot of chances, but we couldn't like uh, 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 convert them, and we either uh, tied the game uh, or we even lost some of these crucial games. Whereas Mr. City, over the years, they have created a system where these uh, these uh, these these situations rarely happen. So I think with Lukaku up front and maybe a change of system as as uh, as you mentioned, uh, maybe not just really a major system, change of system, but at least uh, a, a way to to bring more change to the system we already have, and uh, more depth as well. I do believe we will be. I mean, we may might not be winning the league, but we we will at least like challenge the for the title. I do think we will be one of the the main challengers uh, for the Premier League title. Whereas for Champions League. Um, I mean, now that PSG has Messi, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a bit difficult to to to. Um, it's a, it's really difficult to to say they are not the favorites, but I also think we have a chance of you know defending the title as well. You, you cannot. I mean, we already have a very amazing run uh, uh, last last season, but. Uh, and I don't think we will be repeating that run because I don't think we'll be, uh, we won't be uh, uh, underdogs uh, when it happens. You know, I think we'll be much closer to the, to the, to the, to the top, to the favorites. Because, uh, I mean, you, you also have to think that uh, it will be a further year of Tuchel at, at helm. Uh, it will be also uh, another year of development for Havertz, who has been like, I mean, we we haven't we haven't seen yet his full potential and I think he will be one of the best players in the world. Many, many people think, talk about Mbappé and also about Haaland but I do think he will be like 
one of the one of the guys to 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 you know to challenge for Ballon d'Or in a in a few in a few years. And uh, I mean, I also expect Werner to maybe return to, to like a regression to the mean because I think last season was uncharacteristically uncharacteristically uh, uh, bad from him. Uh, I don't think that that was like you know his normal. So I am expecting better from Werner, and if he does return to to his best form, yeah, I think it will be very will be in you know very strong position to on on both fronts. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you, Phil. And what one has to keep in mind is that even in Romelu Lukaku's let's you know saying quotation mark worst seasons. He he was still scoring double the amount of goals of our than our top scorer last year. And with no disrespect to Jorginho, you even in a bad season, you want your striker to at least have ten plus goals, and that would be a bad season. <laughs> even relegation teams, more often than not, there's one uh, striker or one player that has ten plus goals. So how we, with those circumstances, we're able to even get top four and then win the Champions League is phenomenal. And I, I also agree that uh, we have still got, uh, we still have the best to come for from Kai Havertz. Um, if Romelu Lukaku scores the goals, but if it can also unlock Timo Werner and we know that he can do better. And I, there are a lot of people that do not like Timo Werner because of the way he plays. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, he, he he's a guy that we knew from the start that he'd need time to adjust. Anyone who watched Leipzig games um, beforehand could have told you that he wastes a lot of chances and he needs a partner up top. He's not a lone striker. He himself even says that, you know, just to note that. And if he, if Romelu Lukaku, and if we do change the system or adjust it, tweak it, whatever, uh, and Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner have the chemistry going, Next, of course, Roman Lukaku and Kai Havertz. Then that that can only be beneficiary for be, beneficial for Chelsea. So, given our defensive solidity last season and now being able to score goals, you'd hope there's there's no reason to doubt that we are title contenders. And um, the thing is. Managing that kind of a squad, such a big squad, let's say like that. And Thomas Tuchel also addressed this in his press conference today that it wasn't easy having a preseason with more than 40 players. Um, you have to ask, could that be uh, difficult to keep everyone content? Everyone seems to love Thomas Tuchel, Ali, and I, I get why, but. Will a situation maybe develop like Tammy Abram? So like a, with Callum Hudson-Odoi or Christian Pulisic, of course. Um, we have a lot of central defenders. If Kunde comes in, even if, if Zuma were to leave, maybe he will change more uh, frequently to a four at the back. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's that might be a concern, right? I mean, yeah, thanks for leaving me with the bad part first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Gladly. I mean, I just, I just like to go with the caveat that Tuchel basically said that was more about fear of the unknown. That, I mean, they were, 
the question was thrown at him like you have you said you have 42 players that would be an issue right and he said well i thought it was going to be but it wasn't because all the people who came back from loan and the the people who came back early they looked like they were trying to fight for a place in the squad and he was he was quite surprised about that he thought that you know the players who definitely weren't going to get a chance this season wouldn't really help anyone perform and he'd have to work around that um but he was actually very pleasantly surprised about the level of the squad and the intensity of the squad and i think that's quite clear in the pre-season games i mean we we played un- uncharacteristically fast in a lot of the pre-season games because it was almost like watching a like an early season game under two call up the times especially against arsenal and the first half against spurs as well we were yeah. playing very fast out from the back which is a characteristic of Tuchel. So I think he's quite he's quite pleasantly surprised about, even though he had this bulky augmented squad, which is very unusual. It's very like Chelsea-centric, really. Um, he was actually very surprised that it was it went pretty smoothly, to be honest. In terms of people falling out, yes, I mean that is, you know, we alluded to it earlier. People are gonna miss out, but there are a lot, a lot of games. Um, you're talking about us being in six trophies this year, tomorrow being the first of them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're talking, we could get into, you know, late double figures in terms of games played this season if all goes well. So, you know, players are going to get chances, whether they are deliberate or not. You know, uh, fate has, you know, toes its course, as as they say. So we'll see what happens you know there's talk that Tammy is completely out the door but from what I know nothing is agreed at all um there might be like an outline of a deal with Roma but there's no nothing on the details the player has to agree to that um so you know this is this is all sort of premature in my in my view um I mean tomorrow he could come off the bench easily and uh you know, score us the winner tomorrow. And then does he then become an impact sub? Does Tuchel, Tuchel view him differently? Um, you know, God forbid someone gets an injury tomorrow and, and we go into the new season with Lukaku plus one. You know, that the, these are all these kind of um, intricacies or nuances that you need to consider. It's not just a one-to-one thing where you can just skip to the next game and everything's exactly the same. Um, Fair point. In terms of how we're viewed around the world, I would just like to say the first word that comes to mind whenever I talk to opposition fans is fear, right? You know, we, we are not, we're, we're a serious team. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is not like, this is not some, you know, underperforming underdog that kind of uh, like limped over the line, just got to Porto. No, we dominated the Champions League all the way to Porto. We stopped big teams scoring goals. You know, this is like this is a serious team, and and you know we Tuchel had to play with a lot of compromises in order to facilitate some of some key squad players that and their futures aren't necessarily nailed down right now. People like Rudiger, people like Christensen, people uh, like Jorginho, and we'll we'll get more kind of developments on contractual issues over the over the coming weeks. But um, the reality is that we are a side that teams fear and bringing in a striker who's one of the top four in the world, I'd argue probably top two in the world if I'm being serious right now, mm. in terms of his form, in terms of his development. And I've watched pretty much every Inter game last season, pretty much oh, every, wow. 
you know, pretty much every game <laughs> since he left mm. us because I I'm just that invested in in the player that is Romelu Lukaku. Um, so to me, I, I thought you know I I thought he was a better signing than Haaland. I've, I've got to be honest with you. I I thought there are bigger red flags with with Erling Haaland, the the brilliant talent that he is. I think there's issues potentially with his hold-up game, potentially with him on the ball dribbling. I think Lukaku has already answered all those questions and has played in England. I think right. he already has that in his in his back pocket. So, you know, and, you know, Roman Abramovich is Roman Abramovich, so we'll probably be linked with Erling in January anyway, so I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> the reality is that um, we are a club that, that, that other teams fear, and we are adding a top, top quality striker I think we have to push for the title. I think that's the reality of the situation now. We have one of the best defences in Europe. We now have arguably one of the most stacked attacks in Europe. Philippe talked about PSG, but to me, you know, they didn't even beat Lille to the Ligue 1 title last season. The issue wasn't going forward. So there are still some big issues that Pochettino has to sort out, and he's not great with managing egos. So it'll be a very interesting time in Paris. I can tell you that for nothing. Yeah. Um, so I just think that we are a team definitely on the up, and it'll be very interesting to see how we end this transfer window and when the football actually starts, and we can actually talk about actual football, which is nice. Um, and I think we're in a very strong position, and it's all—it's almost good that we're front-loading this fixture list. We, we're playing a lot of our rivals, a lot of our big challenges. Yeah. If we lay down a marker early, you can almost coast through to December on that momentum. And in a, with a player like Lukaku, who people always say, oh, you know, he's a flak track bully. He only scores against Cagliari and Bar- uh, Bari and, you know, Genoa or whoever. <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a player who scores against everyone. <laughs> you know, he just is a goal scorer. So he, and he can score from almost every angle from every position he will take car penalties i know that for a fact so you know oh really I, yeah I, I think this is going this is the next big step that we needed so kunde coming in it may upset the apple cart in terms of center backs but we, we already have an issue going into next summer but we can come on to that in terms of center backs but the reality is that we have a very stacked squad and we will be pushing for the title so if we don't, something's gone seriously wrong, in my view. I think we should at least be top two, at least. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, you address a very important point here. The bar minimum for this season has to be not only a title challenge, but top two. I, I think given the buzz that's surrounding the club at the moment due to, of course, winning the, uh, the Champions League, signing someone in in form of... Uh, Romelu Lukaku and maybe even uh, Jules Conde or whoever might still come in. Ah, Sorry, Marcus Bettinelli as well. You're not allowed to forget anyone here. Um, Star Trek. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we have been chasing him for years, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um, I I think people would be disappointed if we were to end up being third. It sounds very, very spoiled. I know that. I realize that. But we've spent so much money, despite that Eden Hazard money, despite the transfer embargo a few seasons ago. We have invested heavily, and we're still continuing to do so, which is neat. But that 
brings consequently that brings with it um expectations as as you guys already said so for me it would be a failure if thomas tuchel wouldn't be able to press manchester city to the very last day at least uh you know it, it might be too much to ask for him to definitely have to win the, uh, the 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 premier league title but i think it would be a about in our quota right so we win the league every other year, <laughs> you know, every few years. So it has been a few now. So, you, you know, Jimmy, if we're yeah. being serious, yeah. if, if, if Tuchel isn't putting that expectation on himself, we know people at the club who are. So <laughs> yeah. you know, the, 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 the reality is if we're going to be cynical, we have to be pushing Man City at the very least. I mean, we have to be right yeah. at that top table. Absolutely. Because if it's, again, comes to, let's say, 90, I think it was 19 points that we were behind them at the end of last season. Correct me if I'm wrong, lads. Um, that's too much. You know, with, with the personnel we have, uh, that, that would be just far, far too way, uh, far behind. That, that, that wouldn't be good. And I think, as you just mentioned, Thomas Tuchel has a higher expectation for himself as well. You know, not only that Marina Gramsci and Roman Bramage will be breathing down his neck, uh, he himself wouldn't want that to come to pass. So I think we can be excited. We should be excited. But always keep in mind that the bar minimum is a title challenge this year. I think that is something that has to be kept in mind. And it will nevertheless take a bit of time to gel. Roman Lukaku itself is the finished product. But he nevertheless has to get to know his teammates uh, an understanding has to develop. It might take the first two or three months of the season, um, but I, I'm confident. I'm confident that he will hit the ground running. Uh, he's he's taken to the Premier League really before it will work. Um, so before we get to the next point, we'll just take a short break, and then afterwards we will be talking about Chelsea's greatest rivals for next season. Welcome back to We Ain't Got No Podcast. The next topic on the agenda is one which only has to do partially with Chelsea. Um, but from a Chelsea perspective, it is also interesting because while we look at ourselves and at the squad we have, Thomas Tuchel, we nevertheless also have rivals and a league which is becoming more and more competitive by the, well, by the season. You know, if, if you look at the sheer quality that, for example, West Ham United has, which ended up being sixth, or as, as, as comical as they have become an Arsenal, which ended up being eighth and still has that very uh, expensive uh, squad, the Premier League has become more and more competitive. You know, uh, it's, it's not easy. So, felt apart from the obvious choice of Manchester City, let's say, who do you think could pose the biggest threat or some of them being the biggest threats to Chelsea next season? That's rather interesting because, I mean, I think we cannot discard uh, United. That's the mm. issue. Because uh, I cannot deny that they made, I mean, Sancho is a very good signing, but also Varane was a very good opportunity signing from them as well. And uh, I mean, 
I do think they are a bit limited. I don't think uh, Solskjaer is a is that great of a of a coach. Oh yeah, but um, I cannot deny that they have they are beginning to build enough talent to maybe in a in a maybe not this season. Maybe this season the 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 the, the fight. Yeah, because also, yeah, and the the other obvious name would be Liverpool. But Liverpool, I think they are they reached their peak and they are beginning to decline, and they are not not showing any signs that signs that they will be able to return to their to their former to their former form. Even if oh uh, really, do you, yeah. do you really think that? Because with yeah. Van Dijk coming back, Joe Gomez, you, you think that they aren't the most well next to City the most threatening of the sides. Uh, it's because Van Dijk. Uh, I mean, uh, when you when the player is away f- from the pitch for so long because of injury, mm-hmm. you always have to to question whether he will be back on his best. Yeah, that's the issue. So uh, until we have we until we see Van Dijk back on the pitch and doing the same stuff that he used to do, I think it's it's very difficult to to say that Liverpool will be the the one team to 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 fight. Uh, against us for this, you know, for this place as contenders to the title next to Manchester City. Uh, I do think, uh, whereas with uh, Manchester United, you have Varane, who is healthy and who, who is, despite you know being an outcast from Real Madrid, he's still one. Of, he was still one of the best. Uh, he's still one of the best defenders in the world over the last few years. And Sancho, I mean, he also had a, a, a kind of a. a, a I wouldn't say a downfall because it's too heavy of a word, but he uh, he didn't he didn't uh, he wasn't a star. He was a, the, the star of Dortmund because Haaland took most of the of the of the spotlight, but he was still a very good player for Dortmund. Uh, and I do think these two players uh, will be key to United being this let's say third force. Whereas you know Tottenham, I think, yeah, I. I I mean, it's it's like you can't dismiss your your rivals, but let's be honest, Tottenham is in a very difficult situation, and uh, as I mentioned, I think Liverpool. Um, it all hinges on one player, which is Van Dijk coming off a, 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 an injury, which made him go away from from the pitch for so long. So it's very difficult to say, oh, they will be the third force. I think United has a better a better chance to. At doing so, than 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 Liverpool. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Oli, your thoughts? I mean, uh, Felipe mentions um, Van Dijk, but also Andy Robertson's out with ligament damage. Um, oh, has that been confirmed? I thought it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was confirmed yesterday. Oh, wow. um, okay. Yeah, it's it's a big deal, which is why Liverpool Twitter is currently trying to hype Simicast um, as their <laughs> first first player. So, and he went down. He went down um, holding his leg yesterday, and there was a there was a there was a big issue, um, but he's okay. But Andy Robertson has de- has definitely suffered ligament j- damage, so uh, there's an issue there uh, with his right ankle, not his left ankle, but. Um, okay. But I, th- I think that's a this is a really that's a really big point. I think it's a tale of two centre backs in terms of United and Liverpool. Um, you're talking about Van Dijk, who who has who will now have issues in terms of being confident with his body, the same way we see Callum and Ruben had. Um, but also those those fifty fifties that are essential in the Premier League 
you know, you you don't get time to work your way back into being confident in your, in your body. You have to be confident, otherwise it will just eat you up. The the Premier League will eat you up. You'll become a meme. There'll, there'll be gifts all over Twitter, and that's it. You know, your career's over in, <laughs> as soon as football Twitter finds that. So the reality is that Van Dijk's has got to hit. He's got to hit the ground running this coming season. And from what I've seen, he doesn't look particularly confident with his body right now. Um, okay. I've, I've been watching Liverpool games and there are a few times he looked very tentative in 50-50s and it's led to goals against them in pre-season. Joe Gomez, exactly the same. And now uh, with Robertson's injury, I think it'll be an interesting start to the season for Liverpool. Um, obviously, we have similar issues in terms of the fact that we might not see players who we really want to play play 90 minutes at the start of the season but I think our our physios right now are doing a much better job than a lot of the um, clubs we are rivals with um, in terms of keeping them all fit and all kind of ready to go at their various different levels of fitness um, to me I, I, I if Fafana hadn't have got his leg broken in a horrendous challenge by the Villarreal player. I would say Leicester were right up there again. I know, I know it's Brendan Rodgers and he always falls off at the end of the season. And, you know, <laughs> we always laugh and joke about it. it happens every time. But the reality is that, um, the, the reality is that for, um, you know, for, for Leicester now, they're going to have to look at a centre back. To, ch to challenge at that top level because Soyuncu can't just do it himself. Um, and I think you can't really just look past Man City. I think Man City are the, the, the level we have to aim for and surpass. I mean, anyone who finishes above Man City is going to win the league this season. You know, hate to quote Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but, you know, that's the reality <laughs> of it. So, um, yeah, I think that's... That's kind of our the only people we really need to bother about, to be honest. I, mean, I hate to be kind of, you know, sassy about it or whatever, but the reality is, if we if we finish above City this season, we will win the league. I mean, I, th I think that's that's pretty clear, to be honest, in terms of the level of everyone else. I think everyone else has similar issues to us. I don't know if Sancho's going to have a great start. I think it is a different league to the Bundesliga. I really like Jaden. I've watched him since he was. 15 or 14 at, at Watford and you know he's always had a, a brilliant skillful streak to him but the reality is that he doesn't he doesn't come up against a lot of physical contact in the Bundesliga he's all he's always put through and running into space and beating his man one-on-one -on -one. he's not he's not really roughed up in the same way he would be in the Premier League so it'll be very interesting to see how he beds in um and I say that as someone who's a really big fan of his so um, I don't know also how Oli's going to play him at United. I, I don't know if he's going to play him down the right. I don't know if that really suits his game, to be honest. He, he prefers to drift in and out. It's a similar thing to Grealish at City. I don't know if Grealish is going to play particularly well for City because his best attributes are in a free role. And we have already seen that Guardiola wants him to stick out on the wing. Um, and yeah, that's not that. really something... Yeah, that's not really something I'd think would be a great idea for Grealish but you know I'm not Pep Guardiola so you know <laughs> um yeah we'll see how it goes I think targeting in terms of targeting and in, in terms of who we need to worry about it has to be City I don't think we should look below them 
I, I don't think it's like churlish to say that. I think we should we should be looking to finish ahead of City or finish there or thereabouts because if we do that, we will be at the top of the league. So, yeah, okay. No, I, I feel that. I totally feel that. I mean, one one would be very unwise not to say that uh, Manchester City is the team to beat, right? I mean, they just won the league by well a, a fairly comfortable margin. Yeah. Um, it, it anything else would be well naive. It 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 would be wrong. So yes, definitely Manchester City will be difficult. But then again, it. You know, people were trying to play down winning against Manchester City uh, three times in a row in in May. But I'll tell you what, psychologically, I think it does does do something with them. You can still hear the Manchester City fans, for example, moaning until this day about how unfair the world was. Um, you can still living hear rent the, free, Jimmy. Living rent free. Absolutely loving it as well. <laughs> but, you know, we can also hear the Manchester City players say that kind of stuff, you know. Did, did you guys read the uh, the, the quotes of, of Riyad Mahrez the other day? Mm-hmm. Where you thought, what on earth are you talking about? Were you on drugs? You know, that, 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 that's just ludicrous that they deserve to win that night because they quite simply didn't. If he wants to talk about a run to the Champions League final, fine. But if you're... If you, mm don't turn up to the final, then it's yeah. quite simple. You don't deserve to win it. Well, this is the reality of a Pep Guardiola side, right? Yeah. If you win, it's expected. And if you don't win, it's someone else's fault. That's how Pep Guardiola has always worked. That's how he worked at uh, Bayern. It's how he worked at, at Barca. You know, he, he embeds in, in his sides mm. a kind of, you know, if we don't win, then something's gone wrong, basically. like yeah. It's almost an expectation of winning. And if you don't win, then it's everyone else's fault but your own. And that, mm-hmm. to me, is the thing that might tear this City squad apart. Because if they do sign someone like Harry Kane and then pl- try and play Grealish as a wide left creator and try and play Kane up front, a position that he doesn't want to play anymore, um, and he, he, he would still try and be a deep line creator as he has been at Spurs. Yeah. I think there's a kind of tension there that Pep Guardiola might not foresee. And it, he, you know, that might snowball and it's happened before at his other clubs towards the end of his tenures. It happened at Bayern. It happened at the latter stages of Barca when things started sort of slowly falling apart and there was kind of fractions in the dressing room. So Maybe one to watch. Uh, I mean, I I personally don't think they needed Grealish or Harry Kane, to be honest. I think they're just signing them because they can. <laughs> um, mm. I, I think there was an issue as playing a nine, but they don't play a nine under Guardiola anymore. They have Gundogan now. So where does that leave Gundogan? And so, you know, there, there are kind of, there are these issues that only City have these type of issues. But the reality is that, maybe in icing this cake they're kind of ruining it so you know maybe one to watch yeah definitely definitely uh, though i think they'd be very daft to let i mean it won't happen but if they were to have to let pep Guardiola go because something's not working with the dressing room anymore um i don't know it, it seems all as if it will still be running in his favour 
Pep Guardiola, for all the problems I do have with him, he's a very intelligent man. I think he'll know how to manage it. Uh, that's such a situation. But coming back to uh, the other ones, I'll tell you what, one of the clubs that I'm actually, as a neutral now, of course, with my blue tinted glasses, I want them to fail like any other one, uh, any other of the 19 clubs in the Premier League. Well, maybe mm-hmm. Bright. I, I have an affinity for Brighton due to family reasons, uh, but not when we play against Chelsea. Anyway, um, <laughs> Aston Villa okay. have lost Jack Grealish. Yes. That is a big, big blow. You saw last season that they played very poorly when he wasn't in the side, but they have reinforced or bolstered their ranks quite incredibly. I never thought that Chelsea fan, and for years he was linked to Chelsea, Leon Bailey, he's come in. He's a humongous talent. I watched him at uh, Bayer Leverkusen a fair amount over the years. Uh, and he, I think he could light up the Premier League for Aston Villa. And Emiliano Bundia, <laughs> who they pip Arsenal to, you know, he he actually went to Aston Villa ahead of Arsenal because he knows how bad Arsenal are nowadays, which is ah oh, that that was <laughs> scrumptious just to say, put it like that. So you know, even an Aston Villa, with no disrespect to them, or for example West Ham United, who did very well last year, they are all very very competitive. And if we want to retain the Champions League, oof, difficult. You know, if you have to field very strong sides every week and as you mentioned Ollie, we're going to have a crazy amount of games coming up six competitions the congested schedule will be something to constantly be in the back of our minds but be that as it may Aston Villa also a big threat and despite Fofana getting injured you know Leicester's still a side that will be pushing the top four from last year to the very last day I'd expect so not easy, not easy. But if Chelsea is the Chelsea that we've come to know under Thomas Tuchel and we do that from the start, from the get-go, then that, of course, also is the case for the other teams around us. So if they get you know, points nicked off them, then that's good for us any day of the week. So, Felipe, who would be your dark horse for next year in the Premier League? Like last year... It was West Ham United, right? Who would just just quickly? Who who would be your dark horse next year? I mean, you've you've already talked about them. <laughs> Aston Villa. Yeah, basically. I I mean, when I saw that Leon Bailey was going to Leverkusen, not to Leverkusen, sorry, but out of Leverkusen to Aston Villa was like, well, they mean business, and it was most mm. likely because of you know the Jack Grealish moving to to City, so they would be able to afford not just. Uh, his transfer fee, but also his wages. And I mean, the Ram is not here, but when Dia <laughs> is like, I mean, I'm not sure what he was doing at the at the championship uh, last year. And I'm not sure why he, he decided to stay there. Maybe because he really likes uh, uh, England. I'm not sure either. But uh, yeah, he, he's Norwich. also... Oh, I'm not sure yeah. about that one, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you have to question... Uh, uh, you have to ask him what he what he saw that made him stick to to um, uh, to, to Norwich for so long. But yeah, I think Aston Villa is one was is definitely one side to 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 see one one side to to see and and to to fear. I mean, because you could 
as uh, you could talk about Leicester, but Leicester is no longer a dark horse anymore. It's like they 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 they've take, basically taken over Arsenal as one of the the. Or they are in the process of taking out yeah. Arsenal out of the big seats group, uh, but yeah, out of these big seats yeah. or seven, I'd say yeah, Aston Villa most definitely. Yeah, that that that's that's fair. Oli, who would be your dark horse? Uh, Villa is an interesting one, but Leon Bailey, who's another player who I really like, I think his big mm. issue is inconsistency. He when he's on his when he's on his game when when he's in a run of six or seven games. He's brilliant to watch. He's one of the best players to watch in the Bundesliga, I'd argue, um, especially since Kai left. And uh, to me, it's he's that kind of unknown quantity that a bit a bit like Bertrand Traore, to be honest, that um, he has so much to his game. Technically, his ability on the ball, his ability to shoot from outside the box, uh, take players on. Um, but his issue is also inconsistency. I think when you have someone like Emu Buendia behind them, um, playmaking for a player like Danny Ings, who we haven't mentioned as well. Um, yeah, that's true. True. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think yes, they will definitely score goals. I, I don't know if they can finish higher than sixth. I don't know if that's. I think every, I think every club has a natural ceiling. I think it will take it takes something kind of monumental to to change the balance. Like when Leicester won the league, it was a wonderful it was a wonderful thing for the rest of football. It, but in reality, in English football, we saw how everyone else fell off a cliff. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, like the reality yeah. is that Chelsea true. were were terrible. You know, Tottenham probably should have won the league that year. You know. Uh, Man City were miles off their game. Arsenal were nowhere. Uh, Liverpool were a joke that season. So the reality is that Leicester yeah. took advantage of that. So if Villa are going to get anywhere near the top four, yes, they have a lot of talent. Um, I still think there are kind of issues defensively there. I, I don't know. I don't know how great they are in open play and definitely not in transition. Villa, they 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 sometimes get into games where it becomes a bit like basketball and <laughs> if they don't score, the opposition scores. Um, they have so many players with such ability, like John McGinn even, who we you know haven't mentioned yet, who yeah. can make something out of nothing. But they also Ollie have Watkins. those vulnerabilities. Exactly. They have yeah. those vulnerabilities, though. I mean, I don't know if Tyron Mings is an England centre-back, in my opinion. Um, they have they have a very good keeper who saved them a lot last season. Yeah. I don't know how sustainable that is, to be honest. Um, and also the kind of fullbacks, I don't know what their ceiling is either. I think going forward, they're going to be a handful Villa, definitely, even without Jack Grealish. I think it'll be interesting to see how they knit together that and also what their first choice pairings are going to be. It'll be very interesting to see what Dean Smith does there. So, yeah, but... For me, I think they're kind of a top six potential, in mm. my opinion. Um, I think there are better teams than them. I think West Ham are a better team. I think Leicester are a better team, even without Fofana. Uh, the, the, issue, the, the funny ones for me, <laughs> I think our, our North London rivals are interesting ones. I think 
if they if they hit some sort of form and keep Harry Kane, I think Spurs could challenge top four. Really? Which is, which, which doesn't make any sense right now. <laughs> no. But <laughs> but if they do finish, if they do have pick up some sort of form and keep Harry Kane, and sign a, potentially a Lautaro Martinez, then you're looking at someone who's going to challenge top four. If they lose Kane, don't get Lautaro Martinez, then you're looking exactly the same as this season kind of mid-table finish. Uh, I think Arsenal, if they don't sign someone like Tammy or any kind of finisher, they're looking mid-table again. I don't think Ben White himself is going to solve their defensive issues. They still have massive issues at the back, as, they, as they've shown throughout pre-season. The biggest issue for them is Arteta, who just doesn't seem to learn how to play in transition. <laughs> he just doesn't seem to have an answer for that. Um, which Ziyech loved absolutely loved in that game oh yeah oh um, yeah so yeah you can see teams picking them off i think yeah i i don't really know if there is a dark horse for the title this season i think it's almost like a it's almost like a regression to the mean i think you're looking at liverpool coming back into it uh pushing the top four again but not like they did last season finishing strong being up there the whole time. I think United have to be with the investment they've made. I think it's us and City. I think it's that four. I don't think you can look past that four. I think Leicester are going to... I think Leicester are going to struggle initially without Fafana. I don't think they have a good enough backup in Johnny Evans. I don't think that's good enough for them. So if he's even there anymore, I don't know if he's retiring. So, mm. yeah, it'd be an interesting one to watch. I think it's those top four that are going to stay top four. Uh, that that will be the logical choice, or they they will be the logical choices. But you know, it, it's always good fun to watch. Uh, for example, an Aston Villa or a West Ham United beat uh, the likes of Manchester United or other mid-table clubs like Arsenal. So that's that that's always fun, and I like <laughs> the competitive nature of it. Uh, and mm. watching you know AFTV and chill. Is, is you know schadenfreude is a wonderful thing and <laughs> seeing how they've regressed they're nowhere near chelsea and there were these debates no. of who's still the biggest club in london no it's arsenal you know it's ridiculous arsenal isn't the biggest club in london anymore and if we win something like this uh, the super cup the fifa world cup a mm-hmm. uh, uh, club world cup sorry mm-hmm. that will already add to our trophy hall and then no one can say anything anymore. even the most ardent arsenal fans Except like a, a tie, if you everyone I think knows tie from Arsenal fan, but, but you know that's the delusion. Let's come to the next point on the agenda, which has to do with what we've been speaking about up until now. And that's at the quick fire uh, predictions round, and that's as it as it already says, quick answers, just enumerations of what, what, what do you think? Who's going to be, for example, who will end up in the top four? your picks and then we'll move on to the next question and yeah i think it's pretty self-explanatory so uh guys phil let's start off with you who do you think will end up in the top four chelsea Manchester city Manchester united and liverpool is that also the, the not uh... you not 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 the <laughs> other I, I was just going off the top of my head i just think that it will be these four uh, no, no question. I, even if Le- Leicester can do their best and try, and Tottenham as well, but Tottenham 
I mean, it's, it, it is too conditional on several mm -hmm. things falling in the right into the right place for them to finish top four. So as yeah. things stand, yeah, that's my top four. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else will be a, a, a surprise. So, Ollie, I think you've already mentioned it, but just again, your top yeah. four. Yeah, I think uh, same as Felipe. I think the only the only kind of nuance I'd say with that, the caveat is that if Van Dijk doesn't come back properly, I think mm -hmm. Liverpool might struggle. So Liverpool with the asterisk of Van Dijk. <laughs> yeah, because I want to be edgy. Big asterisk. <laughs> yeah, because I want to be edgy here. I want to be a bit edgy. I don't want to just repeat what you said. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Chelsea, Manchester United and Manchester City, of course. Uh, but I'm going to leave out Liverpool Ooh. just because mm. to, to pee off all the Liverpool fans that are not listening. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so I actually think that Aston Villa could. Nah, nah, I, I'm dreaming here. I think it would be something like a Leicester City. But just, you know, for uh, for fun purpose, I'm going to say Aston Villa. Mm -hmm. Hot take, hot take, I know. But Danny it'd be fun. Oh, yeah. That would that would shut up all the Chelsea fans that were doubting him as a backup <laughs> option. Yeah. Um, moving to the to the opposite side of the spectrum, who do you guys think will get relegated, Phil? Who will be? Well, that is a very good question. But I do think. I mean, I do have one one team in mind. I think it's Newcastle. I think oh. they are getting the ads. Uh, yeah, I, I think time. it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, exactly. I think it's a long time coming, but I think they will be they will be going under. Uh, Norwich, I think it's a it's a close second. I mean, they just returned, but I don't think they they will be able to replace the impact of Buendia, uh, because yeah, he's like too big of a player for them. And uh, yeah, I will leave uh, Ram doubly uh, 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 you know, doubly sad with me because I think he, uh, Brentford also won't be able to 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 hold up the level of mm. Premier League competition. Uh, so yeah, Brentford, uh, mm. Newcastle, and uh, Norwich. I think they, they, these are the three teams that I'd say will be relegated. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Ollie, it's an interesting one because I'm going to go completely different. Mm. Mm. I still don't think Brighton are safe. No. <laughs> yeah. I still don't think Brighton are safe. Sorry, Jimmy, and your family ties. Get they careful. need a striker. They need. I... That's true, but careful. They... Look, look behind your back, Ollie. All the seagulls will be coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these, all these, all these Brighton fans are getting on my back. But the, the reality is, <laughs> they need a solid goal scorer. Neil Mope cannot do this every single season. We thought that. You know, they, they would have signed some, like, a, a solid player by now. Yeah. I also think, I also worry about Watford. I, you know, I have a soft spot for Watford, but if they don't hit the ground running, we know that they kind of sack their manager within three months the start of the season, because that's yeah. what they do. And then, you know, it snowballs from there. Um I mean, in my heart, I want Burnley to go down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, yeah. just because I don't understand that their, their entire business model is 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 just draw nil nil until you're safe, um, and and that like hurts me physically. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I don't want Billy to in, to be involved in a relegation scrap. I really don't. 
Um, there, there's talk that there's there's potentially Cantwell could move late, and if he moves late, I think that really hurts Norwich. Um, but if if they keep their current squad, I still think they'll be around fifteenth. I don't think they'll be higher than that. Mm. Um, yeah. Brentford, my 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 dark horse for safety is Brentford because mm. I think they're very well put together. I, I rate Thomas Frank as a as a tactician. Um, having watched them last few seasons, I think they've been very not unlucky because it's happened a lot, but <laughs> they've been unlucky mm. to to miss out on promotion. It's been one of those kind of one point one place one goal thing. Um, I think they are low Premier League level. I think they've they've been that. It's all down to whether Ivan Tony starts scoring. Very similar to yeah. how Timo Puki when he first came up with Norwich. If that he doesn't, if he didn't score, Norwich were done. I think if Ivan Tony comes up and he starts scoring, then Bre- then Brentford will probably be fine. If he struggles, then there there's big issues there. I think Newcastle after signing Joe Willock are going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay, and I don't say that. Just as someone who has a soft spot for them, but hmm. I think they're going to be okay. So the three I'm worried about. <laughs> well, I want Burnley to go, so they're one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say Watford. Uh, I've got to say Norwich. I've got to say Norwich. They Burnley, have Watford, brought in Norwich. eight. I think seven players or eight players, and there's another one coming in. So yeah. that's always, you know, we saw that with Fulham. A few seasons ago, that one where they got Sarah D. Oh, no, yeah. not Sarah D. What was he called? Seri or something like that, where they brought in like 10 players as well, but they never gelled. You know, Michael Seri, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Michael Seri, that was it. John Michael Seri, yeah. yeah. So that that's great and all that, but uh, can only hope Billy Gilmer keeps them together. Yeah, it's a big it's a big thing for him. I mean, he's, he's going to literally have to be their linchpin. And from what I've watched in preseason, He's getting a lot of the ball, which is great, but mm. um, I worry about their defense. To be honest, I think it's a <laughs> it's always a big a big red flag with them. So we'll see how they start the season. Mm. Well, I think this, there are some very probable choices that you've named, guys. The thing is, due to the Premier League, the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is getting larger and larger. And the teams that are able to stay up for multiple seasons, they're getting more and more money. It's accumulating, and they do have a solid core. I mean, obviously, a Crystal Palace, for example, I think uh, they released like half their squad or something like that this year, and that they are having a major overhaul and um, transition uh, there as well. But they've, you know, have the financial capabilities to buy smartly and so they did Mark Gurry being my case in point right so I would also love for for the sole reason of Ashley Barnes still playing at Burnley for them to get (laughs) relegated you know I I hate his gut since that tack on Matic all those years ago he's in my bad yeah that is Ugh. that was terrible. I hate him. I can't stand his face. When we were when we were linked to him, I, I, I was physically sick. Really. Uh, so, as much as I would love them to go down, the thing is that you know Brentford, what was in Norwich, 
it just seems as if they are the the most obvious candidates to mm. to go down again because you mentioned before Lee Brighton um mm. they are still missing a few signings but then again um they got nearly 60 mil for Ben White and I'm hoping that they invest that in yeah. center back and best case a striker because they have mm. uh reinforced the midfield so i i don't think they'll struggle they will struggle they'll be in a relegation battle maybe but i don't think they'll go down same for southampton newcastle united as you mentioned with joe willett coming in and uh all the others that are around that area so yeah for me it would have to be brentford Watford, norwich yeah okay um so top scorer at chelsea and in the premier league who would be your top scorer or who do you predict will be the top scorer, Val? I mean, it's quite obvious. Say it, say it. Yeah, it's that difficult not to, to, to I mean, if Lukaku is, is, is confirmed, then I think it will be Lukaku. It's very difficult not to, to say him. As for top scorer in the PL, I think it depends on what happens with Harry Kane. I think if he moves to, to Manchester City, then he will stay a top, top scorer. But uh, if, he, if he stays in, uh, with Tottenham, then I think it will be Lukaku as well. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's one of the things that I wanted to mention as well. The, the, the drive that Lukaku is carrying from Italy to succeed in, in England mm-hmm. and show to everyone that he is like, you know, one of the uh, uh, world-class striker. I, mean, he, I think he will drive him to score at least 20 goals uh, in the Premier League this season. Or yeah. it's very close to that. That that's one thing that I think will happen. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Oli. Yeah, I think uh, it has to be Romley, doesn't it? I mean, I was going to say Jorginho, but um... <laughs> <laughs> if George if is not on pens anymore, then I, I find it I find it <laughs> unlikely <laughs> that he'll score. Mm. I mean, if he becomes Pete Lampard, then that's great. Uh, I'll sign me up. But um, yeah, I think it has to be Romelu. Um, I also think Kai gets at least double figures this season, at least, and I mean in the league. I think he gets double figures, assists, and goals. Um, I just think he is heading in the right direction in all those aspects. We'll probably come on to that, but I think the reality is that Romelu is coming in to score goals. I think Felipe said that you know it's. It's about the momentum, about how much he wants to succeed in the Premier League because he already did at Everton and West Brom, but that West that Man United move has left a, left a bad taste in the throat. And, I mean, it's not just that he wants to succeed in the Premier League, it's that he wants to succeed at Chelsea as well. Yeah. This, 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 you know, this is, a, this is a club of his heart. This is the club he wanted to be at when he was a boy. This is the club he will be at when we sign him again. <laughs> and... He will be leading us, not just as as a striker, but also a leader on the pitch. He's become a more vocal leader, and he leads by example in terms of what he's done for Inter and for Belgium as well. He's very much now a player who leads. So I think it's almost like an even bigger motivation for him to be all those things that people pretended he wasn't when he was first here. So, you know, I, I think... It has to be Romelu. For Premier League top scorer, I mean, if everything goes well here, I think I think you can't look past Romelu. I think you, if you're looking at a kind of plurality of scorers, I think there'll be more 
higher scoring players at City because there always are because they share the goals around. But uh, if you, if we are going to make Romelu the finisher of our chances, either him or Kai, it's going to be more limited in terms of those top scorers. So the reality is he's going to score the majority of our goals, all things going well. So I think it has to be Romelu for both of them, to be honest. I mean, you have a Mo Salah, for example. You have a Harry Kane. Um, I wouldn't necessarily count Edison Cavani. I'm sure he will score double figures, but I don't think he'll be in for the golden boot. Um, one, one to look out for, what I will say when we're talking about that, depending on how often he gets to play, Patson Dacker of Leicester City. Yeah. Lightning pace. He has already taken to Leicester City like a duck to water, in my mm. opinion, because I've watched him a bit there. So, one to look out for. Jamie Vardy's not the youngest. Never know. Um, but yeah, Romelu Lukaku. This is a Chelsea podcast, so I think we will be forgiven for all saying <laughs> these, the, our future um, record signing. I'll go with Lukaku as well. Play of the season, guys. Phil, who do you think will be the play of the season, Premier League-wide? Premier League-wide? Uh, that's a very interesting question. And I think I will be very odd here because I will speak in terms of, you know, uh, how a player will improve a squad. And I'm also a very big Varane fan. <laughs> and that's the issue. Because I I think uh, Varane can be this kind of player. You know? He will just... I think he will be able to improve uh, uh, Manchester United so much that it will be very difficult to just not recognize um, uh, uh, the, the impact that he will make if everything goes you know, to plan, of course, because he can get injured and stuff like that. But I do think uh, he might be you know, this kind of player for them. So impactful that the league will have to recognize that. I mean, uh, uh, it's like the... It's like the kind of, of signing that could be Van Dijk levels of impact on my team. That's that's what worries me the most. Okay. Well, he, he, I mean, Bass man would be very proud of you for saying that. Um, <laughs> anyone from the wing on the history com- community who's been around the world will know Bass man and how much he loved Varane. So, yeah, could be could be a good shout, um, Ollie. Well, I mean, we know it's not going to be a Chelsea player. I mean, True. that's just without doubt. Even even when we win the, the league, it's not a Chelsea player. So yeah, I'll just say I'll just say Kevin De Bruyne because it will be, um, <laughs> because even if even if he even if he has two months out injured, if he ends the season well, he's it'll just be Kevin De Bruyne, yeah, he's so. just piling up. Trophies yeah, exactly. Like that. It's, it would, it's just you know, ridiculous. You just know it won't be a Chelsea player, even if even if Rom comes in and scores forty goals this season. It will be whoever finishes second, their best player. That's just how it works. So I think yeah. we should just wrap it up and keep it moving and say it's Man City <laughs> generic player. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's Jack Grealish, whether it's uh, Kevin De Bruyne, whether it's whoever. So I, I just don't think it'll be one of us. Um, yeah. Varane, I really like Varane. I've always rated him. I think um, in a kind of surprise twist, I'd say he's quite a kind of similar profile to Kurt Zuma, but a bit more kind of uh, Rolls-Royce on the ball. Um, I think the kind of profile of, of how he how he acts is is very similar. So, uh, you know, maybe if Kurt wasn't in a Chelsea shirt, he'd be he'd be appreciated a lot more. But, you know, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll see that by the end of the window. So, yeah, 
But um, in terms of um, Varane, I think uh, the issue he may have is kind of communication with Harry Maguire. Um, you know, he does speak English, but English is not his first language and Maguire kind of speaks in grunts. So I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out with him and Wan-Bissaka and uh, Luke Shaw on the left. And because Varane is very much kind of a, a, a front foot forward defender. So in terms of offside traps and things like that, it may be interesting in the early, in the first few games. Um but I, I don't doubt his ability at all. I just think he may take time to get into it. I also think from watching Madrid a lot, his his physical output has not been the same as it was before. I don't know if that's just because he's not had the same partnerships. Maybe it's more to do with the fact that he's kind of having to mop up for a lot of like middling centre-backs alongside him. But that'll be another interesting thing to watch in terms of the level of physical contact he'll have. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I think it's just generic, whoever finishes behind us. <laughs> because we're going to win the league, lads. So, you know, it's whoever finishes behind us and their best player, basically. So then it has to be Kevin De Bruyne, won't it? I mean, that's the obvious choice. Even if he's not good enough, he wins. So <laughs> that's, uh, although he is, of course, a good player. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm going to be cheeky. I'm going to say player of the season is going to be Romelu Lukaku. Yay. I know. Shock. <laughs> shock. Utter shock. I'm, I know. But uh, I'm trying to think a bit out of the box today. So <laughs> not not that that's very creative of me. But, you know, I think it, it could be Romelu Lukaku just because of the sheer amount of goals uh, and the, the, the lift that he'll give Chelsea, this Chelsea team. So for me, Romelu Lukaku. Okay, so, uh, well, I, I guess we could say who will be the top assist giver next season, but that's always a difficult one, if you ask me. Uh, any any hints, maybe, or any predictions there? I think that's always a difficult one to predict, though. Yeah, top Hell. assist, uh, I, mean, it, it, I mean, it will be also very difficult not to, not to mention uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, it's because I wanted to talk about the flop of the season because I do have a very interesting uh, idea. Uh, because I do think it will be Jack Grealish, to be honest. I yeah. don't think I don't huh. think he will be as good as people think he was. Uh, 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 at least uh, as 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 good as people hope he will be given the 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 fee that he's been attached to. Because I mean, when once you become the biggest signing in Premier League history. It's it's the kind of weight that you. I mean, he does have that swagger, that confidence that he will take it on the chin and move on. But uh, to get yourself into Manchester City, integrate yourself into Pep's Guardiola system, and you are no longer the star of the team, the king of the of the hill. You will be just like any other player. And Pep is not one to you know. Uh, I don't think at least he doesn't show the 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 inclination to select you because you are like uh, uh, the biggest signing ever from the club. So uh, I think uh, it, it will be like a very big shock to Grealish, and I think he will be considered a flop, uh, 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 at least this season. Maybe in the next season he will be best, better, but I do think there is a very high risk of him being a flop uh, for, for City. Okay, okay. Oli? 
I completely agree. I mean, uh, I, I hinted at it earlier. I think, I think Philippe is exactly right. I think there's already signs that Guardiola doesn't really know how to use him or he thought he was a different player to the player he is. Um, and he did this with Barcelona. You know, he, he bought players he didn't really need and tried to fit them into a system to kind of freshen it up. And it's not really, you know, they don't really need to work like that. Um, Jack Grealish is a player who thrives in freedom. And the early kind of Barcelona that Guardiola had was very much built on that, was like, a, I'll give you a plan to work with until he gets the halfway line and then you make sure you make sure we score kind of thing. Um, and you kind of have the license to do whatever you want. If you can say that to players like, you know, Iniesta, Xavi and Messi and things happen, that's fine. But then when you kind of try to force tactical discipline on players and take them out of their comfort zone, it, players respond differently. And it's a very different vibe to a club like City compared to a club like Villa. Villa, for all intents and purposes, are a club that had a lot of glory and historically, but are now kind of happy with being an upper mid-table club um, and kind of proud of being a club that can knock top teams off their perch, but they're not really there anymore. That That's kind of where they are. So he was a big fish in that pond. And when you go to City, you're just another fish in the sea, you know? It's just like a... It's a very different environment. And... Guardiola City is not an environment where players with a lot of freedom and lot, not a lot of tactical discipline tend to thrive. I mean, you have to kind of put in the work in order to get that tactical freedom. So as, as yeah. Felipe into that, you know, it's all about, it's all about kind of pulling on the uniform and being a Guardiola player. You, you're not really your own player. It's more like, this is my system. This is what you do. And yes. I'm not sure Grealish is really going to like that, to be honest. And exactly, uh, I mean, they've already made him cut his hair, so um, <laughs> they've already made him cut his hair, dye it back to black. They're going to make him pull his socks up next. I don't know what's going on. So, you know, this is the this is the issue. Is he's not he's not the number one man at the club anymore. This is a very different thing. He can be a British record signing, but Guardiola is just going to treat him as just another player because that's the way he is built mentally. So, be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd expect he would have been able to reckon with that, but definitely a different um, atmosphere at Manchester City compared to Aston Villa. Okay, so that was our quick fire round. Uh, we're just going to make this a bit shorter now, the, the Super Cup preview, seeing that we've already been recording for quite some time. <laughs> um, so the Super Cup's tomorrow. Chelsea will finally want to win it after losing, well, well, three times, right? Once against Bayern, once against Atletico, and the most recent one against Liverpool, which was actually very sad because we should have won that one. Um, but we beat Real Madrid in 98. Okay, yeah, that, that sorry, you're right. <laughs> you're right, yeah, it's been a while. Oh, I'm going to be called the plastic in the morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously, we would also want to be winning it in the Roman Abramovich era, era where this squad against Villarreal, with all due respect to him, and 
Unai Emery has been very good with Villarreal. They beat Manchester United. Uh, he's, well, transformed that club into a serious side again, one could say. Um, so, we're not allowed to take this opposition lightly. Um, there is a slight concern uh, while we've been recording and there's been this open training session. Kante seemed to pick up a knock and went straight down the tunnel. That's not necessarily good news. Jorginho had a cramp during training, but he got up again. So uh, let's hope that everyone's available who made the squad for tomorrow. I, I think Kante came back on. I think Did he? Okay. Yeah, I think he just went for a bit, a uh, little warm down and came back on and ran back out. So I think I think everyone's okay as far as I know. Maybe he forgot something back at home, quickly ran home. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> over over the over the Irish Sea, came back. Be fine. No problem for the Kante twins. Um, so lads, predicted starting lineup. Um, I, because I think you know if we're talking about general thoughts. We have to win this. Simple as that. Um, I think that's the general consensus, uh, and I can speak for everyone there. What's your predicted starting lineup? So, um, Ollie, who do you think will? I mean, let's let's go one area after another. So in goal. And defence, what do you say? I mean, you got to go strong. So you're looking at uh, Marcus Bettinelli? No. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a strong side. Tuchel's already pointed out that a lot of our first-team players won't be able to finish the match, but they can start them. So yeah. I think he's got to go with Edu. He can't look past Edu. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Um yeah, no, Edward Mendy deserves to uh, play. I mean, he, he's been phenomenal for us. Um, defense, Fell, who do you think will be our... Let's, let's you know, uh, take into consideration it will be a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, that's how we've been playing the entire uh, the entirety of preseason. So who would you be your back three? Well, uh, I was thinking now, because I'm not sure how, how Silva... Chavo is, is in terms of fitness, uh, but I would I think I mean, if if Thiago is already back to fitness after returning from vacation, I think he's he's a sure on starter. Uh, he should be also alongside maybe Rudiger, and yeah, maybe a repeat of the the Champions League final, which would be like Silva, uh, Rudiger, and and Aspi, because it's another one who would be also back from vacation. I mean, it might be it might be too soon to to throw them to the to the Lions, but uh, I think it will be a very good test for them as well. Uh, and also because Silva recently spoke about how he wants to, you know, add silverware as quickly as possible, maybe it will yeah. be a very good test to to him to show that he wants it, <laughs> or at least he will be wanting to 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 you know to get this trophy uh, as well. Because uh, I mean, he he didn't have the Champions League before he arrived at Chelsea. Maybe he can bring. Super back, the Super Cup back to Chelsea as well. In the process. Yeah, that that would be. I'd really love that because there's uh, there are very few players that have grown on me so quickly as Thiago Silva. I mean, sure, haters would say uh, he's only doing it because he's currently a player, but I I, I actually <laughs> buy it off Thiago Silva and of course his his lovely wife as well. Um, sleeping or you know being in the living room having a, a Chelsea duvet uh, blanket over him <laughs> I mean always in Chelsea clothes his kids as well just lovable I, I really want him to win everything if he would be cap- able to 
lift that League Cup next year, I'd be ecstatic for him. Also, of mm. course, for Chelsea, but I'd love that. Absolutely mm. adore that. So, yeah. Um, Ollie, midfield, what were we thinking? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, N'Golo had that, sc- had that scare, but um, I think yeah. he'll start. Um, I think, given what Tuchel said, I think Georgie will probably start alongside him. I don't see... I don't see anyone yeah. changing. The only caveat I'd have for that is that Villarreal have had a very angry preseason. Um, they've been going around breaking people's legs, getting red cards, yeah. uh, lots and lots of yellows, bad tackles. So maybe we'll be mindful of that. But to me, I think Tuchel's going to go for his first choice. And unless we sign a midfielder between now and you know ten o'clock. <laughs> I, I think that is Jorginho and N'Golo Kante so I think that's what we'll do I mean he did say that uh, it will be a mixture if I'm not mistaken so a mixture of first teamers from last year and the ones that have impressed in preseason so me actually I think that one of the starting uh, midfielders tomorrow will be Loftus Cheek I think mm-hmm. Tuchel has been impressed with him and I wouldn't bet money on it but I've got, you know, a feeling that we will be seeing him in the starting lineup tomorrow. Mm. Just has a, a very confident vibe around him, Loftus Cheek, even though he hasn't been completely up to speed mm. in preseason. But you never know, you know. I, I, maybe we will go straight back to a, a Jovacic um, or Kanten, Jorginho. I'm not sure I'd be too happy with Kovacic and Kante that don't like that combination as much as the other ones but um yeah no no that's fair that's fair um so for me in in attack it has to be Hakim Ziyech he's been our standout performer of the first team as this preseason you can say Trevor Chalava as well but he's not going to start let's be honest um so for me it has to be Hakim Ziyech Hakim Ziyech has to start same as Kai Havertz and because I think Tuchel just trusts him more, it will be Timo Werner on the left. Mason Mount, it's, it's not been around long enough, if you ask me. Um, and I just remember that I forgot the, full, uh, the, the wing back, so I'll, um, I'll give that back to you then, uh, Phil, because let's say they're in the midfield. Um, mm. But before you, you name the mid, uh, them... What do you guys think of that front three? Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and Hakim Ziyech. Thoughts? <laughs> Maybe Christian Pulisic, someone in favour of him, Oli? I mean, my heart says Callum should be involved because he has, again, been a standout in the pre- in the preseason. I think uh, going forward, it's, it's Ziyech and, and Callum who've been the standouts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Kai had his moment against Arsenal. Um, and I think he's probably going to be one of our best players this season, if not if not the best, even if Romelu comes in. I think Kai has the potential to be a Ballon d'Or winner, as, as you've already gone, already kind of hinted at. Um, I think I think that's kind of accurate. Those three, I think they probably will start just because Timo naturally has. Uh, more energy than a lot of the other people. I don't think Armando's going to start. Um, Armando Broja. Well, sorry, he's at Southampton. Yeah, he's already at he's Southampton. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'd, I'd, 
think, yeah, it'll just be... I think it has to be Hakeem and Kai, and then it's just a toss-up between Mason and Timo, to be honest. I think he probably goes for Timo. Mm, well, I, I would agree that Callum Hudson-Odoi has to start, but that's where I'm going to give it over to Phil, because I think he should start at wing-back. Rhys James just come back. I think Callum Hudson-Odoi is going to start at right wing-back. What do you yeah, say? Uh, yes, I, I do agree. As as uh, as Ali mentioned, he's been a standout uh, in the team, so I think he, he starts at right wing-back, whereas mm. left wing-back, I think he will be Alonso. I'm not sure if yeah. Juo is already ready to start. Maybe he is. And I mean, given the deep run that uh, England made in the Euros, maybe he's not yet at the level to start against a very physical side, uh, such as yeah. uh, such as uh, Villarreal. Uh, but yeah, I think he will be like Alonso and, and Hudson Odoi. And I and also hope uh, Hudson Odoi continues to impress because... Uh, that that's one thing that 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 we should also that we should also mention that um, he, I I do think this season will be like a, a make or break for him you know uh, not just uh, you know in terms of Chelsea but in his general career uh, because uh, I mean of course he's also he's a, he's a very young and uh, we can say a lot about uh, we cannot put much pressure on young players. But uh, if I were him, I'd be worried about, you know, a stunted season, so to speak. Another mm. stunted season at Chelsea. And uh, given that he... And, and, I mean, there, there was that rumor that uh, Bayer weren't interested in him, but he said that he wanted to stay at Chelsea and prove himself. Uh, himself. So uh, he has to prove himself. Uh, he's shown his this drive to prove himself already during preseason, but he will have to translate it into the official games. Uh, I am partly confident that he will be able to do that, but I'm not sure if he will have enough time to do so. And if that happens, if he doesn't get as much time as it, as as he wants to, then I mean, if I were him, I mean, taking my taking my blue tinted glasses out of my my my, my eyes, I'd be really looking to you know finding another club to to prove my to prove my worth because uh yeah that's that's one thing that we have to pay attention this season as well mm, yeah no totally agree on that with you uh sorry i was gonna say ram <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh miss ram no sorry phil um, no problem i totally agree with you so um Last point. Last last point on the agenda of the night. Predictions. Score-wise. What are your score predictions? Ollie, we're going to win comfortably? Is it going to be close? Um, my biggest prediction is Villarreal will not finish with, ten, with 11 men. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's my first prediction. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna accumulate yellows and someone will be sent off for them. It might even be Pau Torres if they're rushing him back from the Olympics because he's played about 3,000 games this this season. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he even gets in the squad. There's talk that he's been flown to uh, Belfast to join up with the squad. So, And he's in, the, he's in their squad. So right. we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be very bad-tempered because that's what Villarreal have done the whole time. I think, to be honest... If we 
keep possession, it should be comfortable. Um, we've already shown that we can outplay any football team in the world. And Villarreal, with all due respect to Man United, who they <laughs> outplayed in the second half in the final, are not that good a team. So the reality is, if we play to anywhere near our potential, we should walk this. Uh, it should be 3-1, at least, in my opinion. Um, the, the reality is, though, that a lot of our main players aren't fully up to speed. So I think it will be 2-1, and I think Tammy will score the winner off the bench in the second half. Ha, ha, ha. Parting gift, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, that's, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, Phil? Yeah, I was going to, to, to go... I was going to go with the 2-1, but I think it's like the, the typical kind of score for these kind of situations. <laughs> so I think it will be either 1-0 or 2-0 Chelsea. Maybe 2-0 mm. uh, with like both goals at uh, in first half and then second half, uh, Villarreal will get a bit desperate and will try to, to draw blood. But um, <laughs> by, by, by that time, I think, I, I hope our our our, uh, our players will be well safe uh, from, yeah. from their attempts. But yeah, I think it will be basically a, a win for Chelsea. Uh, it, it, uh, and also, yeah, that, that's the thing. Uh, uh, even though it's only a Super Cup and it, it, we, we don't pay attention. But it's always nice to start with... Uh, uh, with a, a good result, with a, with a trophy, any any season. So, yeah, yeah, I think it would be very. I think it would be like the 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 thing that we will see the kind of drive in Chelsea for. I'm putting air quotes here. Preseason game that you don't really see uh, quite often from other on the other sides. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think it will be a, a, the main driver to 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 victory for us. Mm. Okay, okay, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I have to. I have to be the edgy one again. I'm going to go with something different, <laughs> prediction-wise. I'm going to go with a draw, and that will no. score the winner one in extra time. Ooh. Obviously, I want you guys to be right. <laughs> I really want us to win comfortably, but we have had a very long year. Um, a lot of the players that well were instrumental in us winning the Champions League and doing so well last year under Tuchel will probably not be playing. So I don't want to say they'll be disjointed. It wasn't necessarily the case during preseason, but no, Villarreal, as you said, they might disrupt the game a lot with their fouls. Um, Unai Emery isn't a bad coach. Well, he is as an Arsenal uh, manager, <laughs> but otherwise he is a good coach. He is a, um, a master of the Europa League, and you know this is a European competition. You never know. Um, I think we will win, but it'll take to extra time. And I'd love to see Tammy Abrams score the winner. I, I really would. I think he's going to leave us, but that would be a fantastic parting gift. And it would be very poetic after he missed the decisive penalty um, in 2019 against Liverpool. So that would be fantastic to see him give us Chelsea fans this last parting gift. Uh, and... Yeah, as I said, poetic. So those were our predictions. That was our season preview. And I can only speak for myself, but I had a blast. 
lads, it was fantastic speaking to you. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, there was some very, very interesting points that were made for the upcoming season. It is going to be exciting. It uh, is just a fantastic time to be a Chelsea fan. And it's all the more enjoyable if one can share it and chat about everything Chelsea on the podcast. So thanks again for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, that you'll come on soon again. Anytime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just ask and I will make my utmost to be here. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So that's all from us for today. We will be back very soon after the Crystal Palace game, uh, which we won't be previewing this this week. Um, we will be reviewing it next week, hopefully with Ramback, um, who will be fresh and back from his holiday. And yes, that's all from us. Uh, let's get a win tomorrow and stay safe as always and keep the blue flag flying high. Bye-bye.